The year is 2002. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Charlotte. And this is My Marvelous Year. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club where we go through the best of Marvel comics from its origins to today. I'm Zach, your comic book master, and I'm joined today... <laughs> Just rolling with that. Yeah, Dave can't believe it, but I graduated. Uh, joined today by Dave Busing, who is probably the most fancy pants, asthmatic dandy uh, in <laughs> podcasting, but... He's really quite the bad boy deep down. Uh, he swears. Thanks for being on deep the show. Deep down, here. I swear. It's true. <laughs> I, I keep all my swears deep and down. And that's why you're the, bo- the most uh, bad boy of podcasting. Now, I do want to be clear. When you the say asthmatic, it's not that I have asthma. It's just that I run out of breath very quickly. And you, <laughs> you just wheeze a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a diss. It's not a medical condition. Uh, but it's true. Very pampered. Uh, my hands are soft. Couldn't be softer. I'm whiter and softer than most marshmallows, and I'm happy to be here. Do you think... All right, well, we'll talk... Remind me of that later, because uh, <laughs> it's a funny detail in Wolverine Origins. Uh, I'm also to joined today by Charlotte, who swears to me... A lot of swearing on this podcast. Swears to me that she is making room in her brain for me when I die, because uh, I, I am a little older than her, and I probably will die first. Um, Substantially she... <laughs> older, let's be clear. Just a, a couple of years I mean, you're older. You're on the verge um, of death, like, let's be honest. Um, yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I'm glad I'm that you're making, making space I, for me like, in there. There's a whole afterlife uh, up there. Like, I already have, uh, I think I already have your dead dog up there called Gus. Uh, I have your <laughs> sister, the, the twin <laughs> sister you. you killed in the womb. It's already it's already pretty packed up there. But I think Wait, no, some, no, 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 I don't, want, left. I don't want her there. <laughs> That's specifically <laughs> the opposite of what I want there. <laughs> Uh, I am looking forward to learning French. Just kind of jack that in. <laughs> God, that would be such a problem. Is uh, I get into your brain and it's just French only. And I'm totally <laughs> lost the whole time. Oh, you know what? I, I don't know when I'd bring that up later. But like in the issue right after those we read of uh, New X-Men, it opens with mm-hmm. like protests in Paris. And mm-hmm. every yeah, single... Yeah, we read that one. Yeah. Every single French word is wrong. Like, they misspelled the word <laughs> mutant in French, even though it's the same word as in English. Like, it's the same <laughs> spelling. <laughs> it's incredible. That's incredible. No French fact checkers, huh? Yep. Uh, that yeah, was yeah, in yeah. France, the, the Zorn issue? Uh, no, no, the issue after that. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Because like Zorn also opens on for, for some protests. So I, thought, yeah. okay. I do think it's kind of interesting. Like, does Morrison script what's on the signs... Does the artist have free reign to put them in? Yeah, right? that's a good question. Um, or does editorial sort of because di- some like there are certain things obviously that are going to be like no, you can't write, you know, f Marvel or whatever, right? Like or something politically controversial. Um, but that's amazing that they got mutant wrong. Yeah, it feels like an important. Could be one. the letterer. I, the letterer is often like responsible for just filling in signs and stuff in the background. But I feel like they get some direction. But 
That's interesting. If you, I mean, sure. If you have a talented enough letterer, I mean, that could that could certainly be the case as well. Um, yeah. Honestly, the most important question about New X Men is who yeah. lettered the science. <laughs> uh, I think we got to get. All the right, uh, listeners, we're going to put a pause, uh, put a pin in this podcast. We'll be back next week with those answers uh, in the continuation of this episode. And deep down, I'm swearing right now because all of See our listeners just left. <laughs> and, uh, they think the podcast is over. Now, this is my marvelous year podcast. We go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. We're going to talk about two pretty big x-men stories from 2002 kicking off the year right we got origin wolverine origin which is i i think marvel limited it is now listed as wolverine the origin mm, i don't know if it was always like published that. this yeah. way i had in my head it was just called origin maybe i've just been shorthanding it um but if you're looking for it on mu it's now called wolverine the origin six issue maxi series telling wolverine's origins for the first time and then we got the continuation of new x-men the grant morrison era as they semi-wrap the first take on Cassandra Nova, the evil long-lost twin of Professor X. <sighs> Let's start here. What, can we start before we start with comics, Dave? Uh, you, you did have an opening that you said you wanted to do, and I just wanted to give you the, <laughs> the opportunity to do it, because you said you had a really good one. Um, no, you did the opening. I don't. I don't definitely don't want to. How are you going to introduce me, Dave? Just tell me. No, I think it, I think it's better if I don't say it because um, you know then I can use it later uh, when I make us read Wolverine Origin <laughs> on, on Daredevil episode. I'll just use my new yeah. X Men. Well, isn't opening. there Wolverine Origin two in like twenty thirteen? I, I think I saw oh, it. So it's well, weird to start here, that. obviously, yep. but there is Charlotte, and yeah. it's written by Karen Gillan, our oh. fave, huh. and it's got art. By Adam Kubert, and for forever I've said to myself, I'm not reading that. I have no interest, um, and l- spoilers for how I feel about the original origin, but I was like, I just, I absolutely do not need an origin too. I'm just going to pretend it doesn't exist. So obviously last night I read it after reading Origin, Yeah. and <laughs> here's the thing, Charlotte, it's actually really interesting. Oh. <laughs> like it's, it's not, it's not good, okay? Okay. It's not necessary, but... If you're obsessed with X-Men and Gillen's X-Men specifically, it's actually really interesting. Okay, well. So I, I, I like Origin 2 a lot more than Origin 1. I mean, yeah, the opposite would be surprising. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the cheese. So let's, let's, let's talk let's talk Wolverine the Origin. Um, we're kicking off this year with what was a genuinely big deal, I mean, in, in comics. This was a huge there was a ton of press around the origin. There was it sold really well. Um, we've got uh, basically a writer by committee thing, but it's all so it's Paul Jenkins is like the lead. But then you got Bill Jameis, who is the what's his actual title? Is he the president of Marvel? Um, and then you have the editor in chief, Joe Quesada. Okay, so you got a lot of hands in the kitchen on Wolverine the Origin, which you know generally a bad sign, right? Generally a bad sign if you got and and as we've learned or as I learned and told Zach on our Patreon special where we covered the worst comic of all time. That's written by Bill Jameis. <laughs> yeah. It's called Marvel. So, <laughs> yeah. listen, get some credit for some ideas in the Marvel oh, universe, I mean, certainly, around the, this time. Yeah, the, uh, ultimate, the ultimate Universe, universe sure. chief yeah. among them, certainly. Joe Quesada, obviously, talented artist, uh, Marvel Knights, like, a lot, of, a lot of credit there as well. But, um, you know, Bill Jameis has written the worst comic of all time. So, uh, those hands in the kitchen specifically are like, it's not just like a hand bumping you. It's like a hand covered in feces, you know, okay, like well, getting that's... into your cookies. You know what I'm saying? Disgusting. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know all about that. No, um, please, you know all tell, about tell it. me Why? more. <laughs> it's disgusting. Uh, the, 
I'm moving away from that because it grossed me out too much. The opening of this, <clears throat> it's really funny because I think it opens with, I'm assuming it's Bill Jameis writing this as like the editor uh, because you have like an intro page that just gives kind of a setup for it. Uh, it says, to many, Wolverine is Marvel's finest hero, the best there is at what he does, but to all, he is our most mysterious. Genetics? Environment? Divine intervention? What incredible force created this man? The world's greatest killing machine with a heart as big as the great outdoors. <laughs> and that, I laughed at that initially because I was like, oh, well, that's so corny. But, you know, it's not, like, actually written by Jenkins or something. But that kind of sets the tone for this book. Just, it like, does. totally generic, very hokey, um... Very like, I, yeah. I guess generic is the big word I would describe this book with, which is such a such a shame. <laughs> like, um, given the, like the so, magnitude of the task here, right? I mean, so it's it it's an interesting question, I think, because the character debuted thirty six years ago when this origin is coming out, and it had never been explained fully. You know where they came from, right? There's a lot of mystery. Um, how long have they even been alive? Uh, where did they get their powers? You know, was it, did it start with Weapon X? Kind of those sorts of things. Like we have glimpses of the history here, primarily through, you know, Jim Lee does some Weapon X flashbacks, obviously Claremont throughout Wolverine. And, um, and then of course, Barry Windsor Smith's Weapon X, which for my money is the one and only Wolverine prologue worth its salt. Mm -hmm. Um, actually that's not, not, I won't say and only because the other stuff I mentioned is, is worth reading, but like Weapon X is, I mean, that is the best. Wolverine prologue, you could imagine. Um, the question, though, is do you need to tell this story? Is there value in telling a prequel origin? And I'm not even just talking about Wolverine here because this is a question that comes up with basically any character that is popular is like origins are a huge deal. They sell really well. It's why we just got a book of Boba Fett on, um, or that's not an origin story. It's why you get Boba Fett <laughs> showing up in the prequels. It's why you get little baby Anakin in the prequels in Star Wars, right? Um, they're all over the place. They often lead to disaster. I get the obsession from a sales and attention perspective, but is there value in this kind of story? Like, are, is it a story you wanted to know, I guess? I think I think that's less of a question for me. I, I kind of would push back on that a little bit and say, like, it's not... Because I don't think you can answer that just, like, before without the pitch for the comic, right? If someone yeah, just yeah, like, should right. we ever tell Wolverine's origin? Like, I don't think the answer is yes or no. I think it's, if you have something really additive uh, to, to introduce, if you have something, you know, that is, like, feels really true and fundamental to the character and, like, adds something to the character instead of, like, what this does feel like, which is, like, trying to sell an event. And then, I, I like, I walk away from this being like, well, I don't really know what changed about Wolverine. This doesn't inform me. This doesn't inform Wolverine at all. It barely feels like Wolverine. So I think, like, to me, it's more just about the execution than, like, if they wrote an origin for Wolverine that you read and were like, well, this is great, then I don't think, you know, that question would come in, like, should we even do it? Um, I think it's just because this is such a dud. Yeah, I mean, I, I think don't think fair. there's something inherently bad about doing an origin. Like, it's not a question of, do we need to do it? Like, if a creator had an interesting idea for it, yeah, sure. I don't think this is what happened here. <laughs> Oh, well, they were wrong about it being interesting, I guess. Um, and I, don't even, yeah, I, I yeah. don't even think every, like, idea of the comic is necessarily bad, but, like, it's all in the execution, and the execution is not well done. <laughs> so, Origin, for those who haven't read it, just to, just to plot it a little bit, um, I think the biggest mistake it makes for me personally is it spends all of its time 
in a fairly short time frame. The first three issues are all, okay, this is Wolverine's origins as a child and the first display of his mutant ability. And we learned that he grew up in a Canadian mansion, essentially, with field hands and servants and was a pampered, well-to-do little rich guy. And uh, his mutant ability manifested it in tremendously traumatic fashion <laughs> in that he killed basically everyone around. Like his parents die. Um, there's this character, Dog Logan, which we can get to. Well, I mean, who also he, dies it's in important moment. to point out that like, yeah, it, it's the fancy pampered rich guy. But the first two issues are devoted to tricking you into thinking that it's yes. not. That which it is, is this other guy, Dog. Which makes for which a is weird reading just... experience when you know the twists. Yeah. Because, like, uh-huh. now we all yeah. know the twist. Like, we all know he's, he's, he's James Howlett. He's, uh, he grew up a rich guy. But, like, but so the comic is trying to trick you, but in 2023, you can have that experience. I wonder how it would have felt back then, not knowing. Like, were people like, oh, my God, it's genius. Well, I, did, I, I didn't know. I was tricked. I, I, I read this. I didn't know. But, oh. like, but I also just kind of, it, it wasn't a shock because I was mostly like, okay, well, you just spent a third of your, like, it wasn't. A fun twist yeah uh, it didn't blow me away <laughs> yeah. or anything because it was like all right you have six issues to tell wolverine's origin and you spent the first third of them you know trying to like pants me <laughs> sneak up behind yeah. me to pull my pants down and i hate that i hate <laughs> when people pull my pants down you do famously hate pantsing i mean yeah. i i cannot tell you the number of pods where your wife rushes into the studio pantses you quick and you I get start so squealing mad. and screaming. <laughs> oh my gosh, we've had to pause more podcasts from Zach getting pantsed by his wife uh, <laughs> than you could possibly count. Jokes on her. I record bottomless now to, <laughs> to make sure that never happens again. That is why we don't film my marvelous year. Um, so, so yeah, yeah I, I, I think I, it's such a mistake to to do a twist as the you know yeah. the reveal. It's also a dumb reveal. What is that? What does well, I think it add to Charlotte's to point? To Charles' point yeah. about, like, well, would yeah, it have yeah. been fun in the moment? Obviously, it wasn't fun for you, Zach. But, like, I, I feel like it actually would have been more angering than anything because <laughs> yeah. the, the the implication in the first two issues is, like, hey, there's this character who, who looks exactly like Wolverine. Like, hey, here's this one that Andy Cooper and Richard Eisenhoff, yeah. they're drawing Wolverine. They're drawing Logan. And the implication is, like, oh, he's a drunk child abuser? That's his origin? Uh, that's not great. Okay. And then it's like, well, maybe he's the kid. Maybe he's the child of this drunk child abuser. Who also um, looks, exactly you know, the like poor Wolverine. beaten dog servant. And it's like that. You can see them doing that, I suppose. You know, that dog Logan is, has this horrible background. You know, I think that could kind of work with the character, but it's like, that's not really a, <laughs> it's not really a good read. <laughs> It's also not like an read Wolverine like, story, you know, I don't no. just want to read about him as an abused child. No. Oh, it, it, I mean, it's also just like, it's the most generic thing that we've all seen a thousand times. Like either one, you know, the, the, the pampered rich kid with a heart of gold. I don't know. I feel like I've read this, uh, this story a bunch, but also the abused kid thing. It's just like the way it's told is so like, he's got a drunk dad with an axe to grind who takes out all his insecurity on him and beats him. And he's and like, you know, the, the like just poor generic. drunk dad who works for the noble nice uh, rich noble uh, kid and then his uh, his nice father like that's very kind of and, weird and dynamic <laughs> yeah oh yeah in the end it does end up kind of shining on like you know <laughs> nice poor people rule uh mean angry or no nice, nice rich, rich people, people are yeah. the best and the uh, the poor people are just kind of angry and bitter yeah. and um you know psychos it, it 
I mean, by but with, doing that with twist. incredible sexual animal magnetism. Yeah, because <laughs> the thread throughout this is the mother of Wolverine. That the the implication is that drunk, abusive Logan, mm-hmm. the servant, is the actual father, yeah. right? Of yeah, yeah, yeah. of Wolverine. So it's like you, yeah. Um, but it, so back to the point <laughs> that I was making. We spent three issues there. Okay, we have a whole. I don't know. Is it Jane Austen influenced? Is it? Uh, is it just the plot of Oklahoma? Like it's it's got a sort of classic, not fairy tale, but to Zach's point, I mean, cliched. I think feel yeah. of the people on the hill and the the servants down below and everything going awry. It just you feel every beat coming well before it happens. I think, with the exception maybe of the twist. I guess. well, the I twist even I did start to sense because at some point, you know, dog Logan. Uh, like sexually tries to you know like sexually uh, assault Rose the Jean Grey stand-in and I was like oh they wouldn't do that like that's they could have him kill a dog but like they wouldn't have him you know try to like sexually assault somebody and then be like that's our Logan <laughs> like right. so so they tip their hand there at that point that's when I was like something is up here this is probably not him yeah yeah and then the next three issues which without going into the plot of it they all concern um james howlett's wolverines who then starts going by the name logan because he's on the run he escapes with rose and they get into like what like a canadian fur trapping company um or something to that extent and you know they they have to live with gruff men and learn to cage fight (laughs) okay (laughs) it's that's the whole that's the whole story that's all of origin yeah you walk away being like what what so what did this add to Logan? It just, I mean, really all you get is that he was raised rich, which doesn't raised inform rich. his character at all. Like, that doesn't feel true, and that doesn't, you're not like, oh, okay, that connects with the Wolverine. Well, I it's know. not an influence because he immediately forgets it because of the trauma uh-huh, of his right, mutant yeah. ability, right? Sure. So it's like, it never actually has anything to do with his character, aside from being some trivia, because it's traumatically basically fractured in his brain. He doesn't remember mm-hmm. that. Which, you know, makes it, like, thematically inert because there's no carryover here. And then also, like, I, I think the only, like, plot information you get from this is, like, yeah, he was born in, you know, mid-1800s. Like... You get, right. So you get an actual time frame. Which I don't know born, what year it was, but that's... Maybe, does it say a year or not? I don't remember. Um, I it's probably late, been it late 19th century, yeah. yeah. It's definitely but been I, retroactively applied if, if it's not there. But yeah, it's like, okay, so he's born in Canada in the 1800s. Um, that gives us a timetable for when Wolverine stories can be told. Uh, his original name is James Howlett, which, you know, to your point, Zach, it's like, all right, what does that actually do for us? You know, Didn't we already know? Really nothing. Didn't we know that? No. Or is that no. just something I knew? I think I this knew? comic creates the name James Howlett. Okay. All right. I just it knew that, the, I guess. It is the first appearance of James Howlett as we as we know it. Um, it also suggests, in the so wait, Dog Logan and uh, Thomas Logan, okay, the, the fake out. Wolverine characters, you know, as you're reading it too, it's also like, well, okay, so there's Sabretooth then, right? It's like we have our kid yeah. Wolverine, and it's like, all right, is this kid Sabretooth? Um, because it's the same sort of thing of like, you know, these animalistic urges and powers and yada yada. And then and the also in the movie, really take he, that on. he is Sabretooth. Like they do that story in the X Men Origins Wolverine movie, and they make him Sabretooth because why wouldn't you? <laughs> exactly. And 
the comic never actually commits to that. And Paul Jenkins has said in interviews, like, he's like, oh, I didn't mean, I didn't intend that. But, you know, if people think that, like, oh, yeah, maybe you could do that. <laughs> yeah, like, I saw that. You too. Set it like, up if someone so else hard. wants to run with that, go for it. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think what Jenkins and crew are doing is they're winking at all of the Wolverine history. You know, with the, right. the red-headed yeah. Rose, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. that she's going to be the Jean Grey stand-in. You've got this Smitty character looking out for Wolverine when he gets there. That's a little Professor X-y Cyclops. Um, and then you have a Sabretooth stand-in. But the problem with that is like, well, we know, yeah, we know Sabretooth's been around as long. There's all these suggestions that they are the same character. It makes more sense if it is Sabretooth than not. But it is also that thing of like, yeah, but it's also not especially additive aside from, I guess in that case, you'd be saying... Their their you know antagonism dates back to literally I mean, that, when they were no, children. No, that would be something. That would at least be yeah. something that you would carry forward and say like, well, Sabretooth. This is why Sabretooth you know harasses and like is is stalking Wolverine for all these years because he blames him for killing his dad. Like, and also that would at least brothers. be right. Yeah, that would be something and like, a relation, which makes sense. You know, I yeah. will say here. Not to spoil it, but we are definitely not going to read it for My Marvelous Year. Origin 2 actually goes into that <laughs> a no. little bit more effectively. Because Gillen, I think that one of the I'm, things I'm that Gillen gets... <laughs> yeah, please add Origin 2, Zach, for a, yeah. um, a Dean's List. Uh, Gillen gets that, like, hey, you know what would be more fun? If we made this an X-Men story. Because uh, yeah. it's got... I mean, I'm not spoiling anything to say. Like, it's got Mr. Sinister all over that book. And it's I'm just immediately like, oh, hell yeah. Well, okay, finally, something. So, Kieran Gillen did a very interesting thing recently, which he did, like, Mr. Sinister as, like, gothic horror, like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And I feel like the Uh version of origin that is that, that is, like, Wolverine's origin as gothic horror, maybe, like, not even as an origin, like, as a separate universe thing, that's, like, that sounds cool. Like, I want to see that, and I feel like, in a way, this is close to that. But then they just get bogged down in, like, the origin of it instead of just focusing on telling a cool story. Like, I feel like Wolverine growing up in that, like, 18th century noble castle thing, like, that could lead to an interesting story. And, like, it it's not, like, unheard of, that kind of story. But then it just devolves into the, like, a pretty classic Wolverine thing. Like, the second half of it is just Wolverine in the Canadian woods, like, as a woodsman like that's yeah that's not Punching new like that's and, very yeah. wolverine like the first part is new like we yeah. haven't seen wolverine in that kind of story the second half is just a wolverine story with him yeah. being more of an a-hole i guess yeah right yeah yeah it, right. it's the um i mean i really want to underline like the issue here is not the story beats necessarily yeah it really is in how it's told yeah. and it's surprising that's paul jenkins because we've liked a lot of what paul jenkins has done and his work has not come off as, like, totally derivative in the past. But this is just, it's so generic. Um, I think that's why I mentioned and, and the, hands, so, the, the hands in the kitchen so thing with Jenkins. It's so serious, too. That's the other, like, it takes itself very seriously. And as if it's telling, like, this really important story. And then it falls totally flat. And yeah. it, Sorry, it, Dave. It makes on. Wolverine kind of very unlikable. That, first of all, like, we learned that his name he took from two rapists and abusers. Which isn't great. Like, I don't dig that that's where the name Logan came from. And then you could have picked any name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> any name would have done. And then in the second half, like, his, like, childhood friend Rose, who he loves, basically, from what we gather, like, she starts dating a 
very older guy, <laughs> at least in how it's depicted. Because like the guy is, is is like forty and they're like maybe fifteen. It's kind of weird. Um, but then like he gets very protective and jealous and toxic <laughs> towards that, and like that's not a good look on Logan. I don't love that. <laughs> like he feels like very much a big a hole, and I don't like that. That's part of the origin. Like that doesn't track with how, what we know of Logan, um, which yeah, is very right. annoying. <laughs> Yeah, it's not gruff with a heart of gold. It's oh, this little kid sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And that's yeah. you know that's kind of that's why I referenced the Skywalker so thing with Darth Vader. <laughs> His hands are incredibly soft. Wait, actually, with the, Darth the Vader, question... where it's like you have this super yeah, yeah. cool character, and then I mean, to your point, Charlotte, and I know it's overly simplistic, I think, in analysis, but it's like I think the biggest failing of Origin is it re- fails to remember to do anything cool. <laughs> <laughs> like there is ah oh, damn it! I totally forgot to put something cool in there. <laughs> they forgot all the cool. There's nothing fun. There's nothing exciting. It is. I mean, Zach. Yes, it is so self serious. It actually reminds me in Jenkins Hellblazer run with Sean Phillips, which I went back to not that long ago. There's a sequence where you know there's these Victorian handwritten letters from soldiers that died on a battlefield in England, and of course they're like ghosts now or whatever, right? It's got that flavor, the writing does early on, of Rose's handwritten letters. Like, you can see the aesthetic and the tone that Jenkins is striving for in those first three issues, um, which can be okay. Like, there's a version of that that can be okay, but there's just mm-hmm. no, yeah. there's nothing cool. There's no, there's no interesting action. The drama isn't tangible or or exciting i think in any particular way and then i mean yeah you don't you don't come out of the origin being like well i understand some some new and exciting new information about this character i love um i think you come out of it thinking okay i guess i know that bullet on the wiki page you know um i know his original name is james hallett yeah it's it's such a disappointment um because yeah i think to my my original question zach which i think i agree with your answer it's like, it's not the fact that they tried to do the origin that is the problem, you know? Um, it's it's all in the execution. And it, and it is very much, I think, you know, the, the path here is they're in an editorial meeting. Bill Jameis says, I want to do a Wolverine origin because it's going to sell. Paul Jenkins is the only one in the room who thinks, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> Everyone else is like, no way, bad idea. And I think Jenkins' argument, you know, I read some interviews and he's like, you know, it's been 36 years. Like, it's kind of boring to just keep beating the same oh, it's a mystery, like, like drum. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Yeah. You know, I, I think there is a point where you can, you know, it's like you can't have a mystery. If you have a mystery going forever, it's maybe too long. And Marvel makes that mistake a lot. Um, but yeah, and then the execution of it is like, well, you didn't have a story first. You had a, an event first. Um, and it kind of shows. Yeah, well, they, in the way this I, I saw some production notes that were like, they were just worried that the movies were going to be like, if we don't do it, the movie will. And then that will be Wolverine's origin in the yeah, public consciousness. Yeah. So we have to get out ahead of the movies before they tell the origin, which is, you know, an interesting, like, driver <laughs> of this stuff. But yeah, It's weird um, how soon yeah. it gets adapted, because this is 2002, and, like, Wolverine Origins is 2008 or nine, I think. Like, it gets adapted very quickly. Um, but yeah, And the irony of this being, you know, pretty poor is that Wolverine Origins is one of the worst movies of all time <laughs> like one of the worst super Still movies of all time it, as well yeah. it's like you did not have you know clearly did not have the the material to work with i mean i do think um, the, the value yeah. of wolverine origins is the way that it uh launched a lot of like really strong and um beautiful marriages um that's the 
Am I mistaken, Dave? I thought you took your wife to this, like, on your first date or something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was not in real life. Um, no, not a first date, but it was... It, uh, no, not even an early date. Uh, but I did, in college, you know, suggest that we watch it together. And she has never let me live that down. Um, <laughs> okay. Like, anytime I, I, really... I go to... Anytime I go to, you know, say like, oh, what about we watch this? She's like, uh, I watched Wolverine Origin with you, so I, I mean, get to pick the movie. The fact that she's still decided to marry you is like credit to. Yeah, yeah that's true. And that too, right? The strength yes, of your too. relationship. Yes. What exactly. was, like what was the first me after that. movie date you went on together? Just to mm. park there for a little bit. The first movie we saw. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I don't I, I don't know. I the, the clearest memory I have of a first date was we walked to noodles and company in college and it was a little farther than you'd think and it was freezing and we nearly froze and died <laughs> on the way home <laughs> so like that's that's the earliest date memory no movie on that one that i can remember i rose and i saw a ton of movies i don't remember the first one but i do remember our first date we got thai food and then we walked around the neighborhood and i do remember specifically explaining comic books to her <laughs> <laughs> really i remember specifically being like ex- like talking to her about um like league of extraordinary gentlemen and fables <laughs> and like and like telling her about like cool things that happened in them <laughs> is not okay and to but charlotte's earlier me? comment she's still married yeah she, i mean t- to be fair she read those and really liked them uh so like you know she's also kind of a dork but uh yeah when i when i put it that way of like i explain scenes from comic books on my first date it's really uh really incredible yeah truly um truly charlotte someday we'll hear the origin story of your spouse and how you talk to them <laughs> about yeah kieran gillen for six hours on your first date when they stay married. I mean, that's oh, not well, we'll talk impossible. about how you. We'll talk about how uh, you you married Kieran Gillen just by uh, praising his work to him for uh, three hours on your first date. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. He's only forty-seven. That's fine. And married with a kid. <laughs> well, that is not doesn't have to be permanent. I mean, you can kill, you can kill them. Marriage here. If he <laughs> yeah. wants to like officiate at the wedding, like that's that's another story, madame. <laughs> okay. What? It would. I have never seen a wedding where someone left their spouse to be for the officiant. So that would be fascinating. <laughs> mm. I'm sure it's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of good things, let's talk about Four Sigmatic Coffee. My marvelous year is brought to you today by Four Sigmatic Coffee. It is good stuff zach and i both it, tried it is it. as we good really as like it being married uh i just want because you said speaking of good things and i do yeah think yeah that like in the, the things that bring me joy in life it's like number one my marriage number two close second close second sigmatic a damn coffee. good cup of coffee yeah yep. a mm-hmm. damn good cup of four sigmatic coffee it is made from mushrooms that scared me off don't let it scare you off uh it's actually really good it is comparable it has some touted wellness benefits um it makes me a little less jittery another coffee so i've been enjoying that you can go to go.forsigmatic.com slash mmy and enter discount code mmy it's mmy for my role this year you get 30 percent off subscription to uh getting this coffee delivered you know we talked about this last time zach but it's it's affordable it is not way overpriced like uh frankly a lot of bags of good coffee can be um Mm. so you know i actually feel good about uh about recommending it which is nice I'm about to run out of it, like, as they sent me a sample bag. And yeah. 
I think I'm gonna actually go order more. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, right. I think I will go buy this because it like is priced about the same as the fancy coffee I buy at the grocery store. And yeah, I've been really digging it. Uh, it is. It is so the like, first thing that we've advertised that I have plans to get more of. Um, I that's think true. I don't know. I I mean, I use <laughs> I used still use the uh, that Manscaped razor all the time. But, oh, I use uh, it constantly. I, I just. I guess I just don't need to buy a new one, whereas coffee. Yeah, is I guess that's true. They they just they made let's talk the about the differences between coffee and razors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk about our other sponsor during this one. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, it, I definitely recommend it just in, in place of your regular coffee. Sorry, you were <laughs> you were ending the ad, and I wanted to keep going. Go dot It's spelled f o u r s i g m a t i c dot com slash m m y. Enter discount code m m y to get thirty percent off at checkout. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> you paused like I had something else to oh whoa no, no, Dave no. sorry I have to I actually have to do open up the ad again because I'm browsing their website and they do have like we've had the lion's mane chaga mushroom coffee uh-huh. they do have one with cordyceps in it which is the uh those are the mushrooms in the last of us um so I don't know uh, if that's I also remember. cordyceps jones is an Al Ewing created character in the marvel universe mm. yeah I don't know if that means that I can uh, advertise with this anymore uh, if your coffee's going to turn me into some kind of mushroom zombie, have like you played? Very... Uh, have you played The Last of Us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when probably like five, six years ago, I played. Are you it. watching I haven't played the, the Last of Us? Yet. Huh? You are shouldn't you play it. The Last of Us. Wait, no, no, I'm not watching it. Maybe at some point, but I don't have HBO right now. Uh, I'm, Did I'm you say protest- I shouldn't play it. <laughs> no, you shouldn't play it. It's way too scary. You will. I've uh, already played it. I've played both. I, I love it. Whoa, you're so brave. <laughs> I know. Thank you. It's it's kind of. I mean, I don't think it's that scary of a game, but for you know, someone who thinks Metroid Prime is scary. <laughs> um. Yeah. I didn't say I turned off any of the lights the rest of the night, but I played it. I haven't played the second one yet. Heard uh, it's too long. I loved the second one. Yeah, I, I got to get to it. I actually own it. I think I bought it a while ago, and it's sitting on my shelf. I bought it when it was like $8 at GameStop, <laughs> like a used nice. copy. But Anyway, uh, you know what? Let's talk about The Last of Us and not Morrison's X-Men. I don't really have much to say about this. So, Speaking of exterminating species, let's talk about Ooh, Grant Morrison's new X-Men. Yeah. Issues 121 to 127 we covered today. Um, <clears throat> the continuation of this important, monumental, interesting run. These comics are, there's two here that are like all-time classics, and then there's kind of a weird Shi'ar story in between. <laughs> so it's this run is bookended, or the comics we read today are bookended by issue 121, which is a part of Marvel's Nuff Said Month. Um, I'm not sure we're oh, going to read anything yeah. else in the yeah. Nuff Said Month. Uh, this was when they did a month of silent comics, uh, which was, I mean, really just a promotional... I don't know, like just a month of a themed thing. And Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely nailed it. <laughs> New X-Men yeah. 121 so is, cool. so it is completely, not completely. There's actually one little bit of dialogue, which is great. Um, but it's it's the story of Jean Grey and Emma Frost going into Professor X's psyche because he's been left trapped in a debilitated dying body. It's so cool, Nova. like Cassandra Nova sabotaging her own body with a bunch of neurodegenerative diseases. And then switching yeah. brains with him so that, like, he gets her body, which is dying from, like, Alzheimer's and a motor neuron, uh, like, disease. It's, it's pretty cool. They make her very cool and smart as a master planner. And, as, like, kind of sexy. Like okay. A, like a wrinkly <laughs> Xavier, Charles Xavier, a wrinklier version of Charles it's Xavier. It's been a while since you got to talk about your fetish for Aunt May. 
and I'm glad Cassandra Nova can. Well, I mean, listen, this, this if is you the cross, best of both worlds. If you cross MA with Moondragon, yeah, exactly. you get Cassandra Nova. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I forgot oh, all no. about that. The uh, the Aunt May jokes. <laughs> oh my goodness! I forgot about that. I had yeah. not considered how horny you'd be reading these comics. I'll be honest. No, well, <laughs> you should you should always. Uh, I should always that. be thinking of that. I mean, I, I feel like is Xavier. I think every panel on which Xavier appears in these in these comics, he's naked. I don't remember seeing Xavier wearing clothes in or any wrapped of his. in like a. Cool, but oh no, yeah, Xavier's body because yeah. Cassandra's body's wrapped in this like sexy bug outfit. <laughs> I mean, it looks yeah, Cassandra cool. Nova <laughs> sorry, is sorry. wearing uh, Xavier's body mm-hmm. totally naked and it is wrapped in a big blue translucent bug. Yeah. So, if that's your kink, like let me tell you, they're kind of both wrapped comics. in big bugs, yeah, because like Xavier um, Nova's body with Xavier's mind inside of it is like wrapped in some kind of weird metallic cocoon. That she's kept, or they're kept into, which looks really cool and futuristic. And like, I really love, um, I don't know who did the design for it, but whoever did the design for it, good job, I guess. <laughs> we yeah. got Frank Quitely, we got Igor Cordy, and then we got the notorious Comicsgate fiend EVS on an issue. Um, and then we got John Paul Leone at the very end of this on artistic talent. But yeah, the the silent issue by, by Quietly, it's it's amazing. I think silent issues are so challenging, you know, to pull off, like to feel like you're getting value. The way that Morrison and Quietly do it is kind of through symbols. And and basically, you know, it's like we're in Professor X's psyche and they're uncovering the history of Professor X and Cassandra Nova. And the revelation at the end of this is that they're twins. They shared a womb, but Professor X killed Cassandra in the womb. (laughs) Like he killed his evil twin. It's in so the womb, cool when he punches her in the womb, and you can kind of tell like it's these slow mo baby punches, and then tries to strangle her with the umbilical cord. It's it, like the tone balance here is remarkable. That like it's not a joke, but it's also not like entirely serious, right? Like it, yeah. it just it kind of strikes that perfect balance of like this is big and larger than life and fun and silly, but also like you know this is real character stuff but it also is a comic book and they know that right like so it just it finds that like middle ground so it, it threads that needle incredibly well you know that reminds um, me of um of something i forgot to say about origin which is it feels like it's parody but without the awareness yeah sure without parody, a joke right of like hey what if we <laughs> took wolverine yeah. and made him this you know <clears throat> sad little rich kid with no powers and soft little hands you know but it's oh, like that i keep wanting to bring up his hands do you think logan's hands are always soft because he's just always like healing because he heals so much yeah do you think like uh he's always got soft i think hands? at this point no mm. i think at this point no like he's been through enough but they're not okay. as calloused as they should be for sure right mm. i don't know i don't know if i believe that but you think maybe. he's got really soft hands all the time yeah which is great charlotte and what's I, your take i got soft hands i think we know <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, soft hand Wolverine. Why not? I like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Love the, the gentle caresses. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we need to talk more about Logan's outfits in New X Men. Like he's incredible. I don't even know what to call it. Like, how do you call what he's wearing? It's some kind of what's the name in English? Um, you see the the costume I'm talking about, right? Like. No, I don't the know sexy, what you mean. Uh, the shirtless leather jacket? What are we talking no, about? No, like, when he's, like, 
bare-chested, but still, like, his pants go up as, um... African, what's the word? I can't find the word in English. Um, but, like... <sighs> I need to find, it's gonna drive me mad if I don't find the right word. If I knew what you, sure if I knew what you were talking about, I would bail you out. But I'm, I'm not. Is this on New X Men or? It is a New X Men. Okay, is it, this wasn't like just some online browsing. You found this. <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah, it's like it's one piece of clothing that's at the same time pants and suspenders, and that's like, it. Like a romper. There's nothing else. Like a leotard, maybe. Kind of, but like, like a, <laughs> when a is ballerina's wearing a leotard? leotard. I have no idea what you're talking about. I Maybe to I just totally. The... I, I believe you. I just. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't, don't know remember. that I do. Find this image, please. Yeah, I'm setting that right now on the group chat. Let's keep talking. I'm. <laughs> oh yeah, amazing. Please. All right, so we're gonna have to follow up on that on that look. Um, but yeah, no, the silent issue is incredible. I mean, I there are like a handful of silent issues in comics, like canon that kind of hold their water as like, yeah, that worked. I mean, the Nuff Said month, I think, is generally like kind of boring, <laughs> you know, because it's a bunch of comics that like you can really fast and, and have no words. Um, I think Exiles does like a dream that Morph has. Um, Thor has Thor being sad about Odin passing, you know, things like that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but this one as is... As Thor usually does. There's that, yeah, uh, I mean, this really one is fun. monumental. This is this is a, a legendary silent issue. There's a good uh, Jean Grey one during the like right after Hoxpox. There's a Jean Grey. That is a homage. To, that's totally... a, a homage to this. Yeah, totally. It's I mean, Jean it, I think and Emma it... in Storm's mind, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, which I didn't so, get at the time. I just thought it was a cool. So comic. that's the big, uh, the big piece of continuity we learned there is Professor X, Kinsernova, twins try to kill her in the womb. Now she's back with a vengeance. Um, the next like five issues are Cassandra wearing Charlie's body has gone into space with the Shi'ar. She is basically conquering and manipulating them she is mind controlling Lalandra and super guardians and all that fun stuff and sending them to earth to try to exterminate the x-men um and mutants you know she basically manipulates and convinces them that mutant kind are villains now and that they need to take them out so she's wielding the power of the shiar empire um Mm -hmm. which is you know a problem for mutant kind she's wielding Uh, the power of superhero misunderstandings (laughs) like basically which is yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And and it sets up you know a classic classic Shi'ar versus X Men fight in the mansion. Um, uh, while this I is mean, happening, classic you know, except professor- that like Wolverine kills a bunch of them, <laughs> right? It's not like they the first thing like, he does is kind of back out of that. Yeah, he pulls the a little, but it, it definitely them. looks yeah. like he kills a bunch. Which like the Super Guardians are basically here to be killed. Like that is kind of their role. Um, oh, he's, I don't know if Charlie, there's any Shi'ar like Super a, Guardians heads in the crowd, but uh, aside from Gladiator, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, how many of them are you missing? Come on. Uh, and Morrison Charlie has fun. The image through, and it is Wolverine oh, in kind of like a circus strongman uh, outfit, where he is bare-chested with the the, sus- uh, the suspenders on. Like, I, just I think covering if you picture... his nipples. <laughs> it's perfect. Right, yeah, it's exactly that, like, old-timey, like, a bald guy with a curly mustache holding up a barbell that has, yeah. you know, like, orbs why, on either why end. Why was he wearing that? I, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's pretty sick. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> um, okay, I didn't, That's I didn't incredible. notice that. Thank you. Yeah, good call. Good pull. That was worth it. Um, uh, so, Dave, I don't know, what did you both think of these issues? Like, what do you think of the continuation here? Does New X-Men still feel like, uh, hey, this is monumental and super important? Yeah, this is, this is where I, I think I finally, like, got really sold on it. Uh, okay. New X Men, which I liked before, but I think like this is where I was like, okay, this is this is really good, and I'm like getting into its groove. Is Morrison so slippery? 
you know? They're a very slippery writer, and, like, they don't want to give you a ton to hold on to. So it's, like, oh, okay. like at times it was That's confusing whether... Means. And that is what slippery means, Charlotte. Thank you. But I don't know, like, <laughs> what the, what constitutes a slippery writer? Like, what, what does that mean? Meaning, like, <laughs> I think they kind of keep a soft focus on the exact plot and happenings okay. so that you don't feel like, oh, you know, Cassandra Nova does this, which leads to this, which leads to this. Like, they jump around a little bit. They yeah, jump yeah. from character to character. They're introducing new aspects, and you're not sure if they're tied in together. Like also sometimes introducing it's hard. new words and cultures and characters. And it's hard to tell <laughs> sometimes whether or not it's just, like, a little aside or if it's going to be a big character thing, right? Yeah. Like, uh, or if it's going to be a plot point. So, like, when they're all dying of flu, like, somehow the U-Men are tied into the micro-sentinels, but I wasn't really sure how, and I couldn't really tell where the micro-sentinels had come from for a while, and if it was tied to Cassandra Nova or if it was just a coincidence... And it has something to do with you men, but I'm not really sure what. And I think, like, the Zamorrison thing through their whole career is kind of just, like... I don't think they pander a lot to the audiences. Like, like, like they, they want you to keep up, basically. They're like, I'm, I'm writing the comic I'm writing, and you gotta keep up. Which can sometimes be fun and challenging, and I think sometimes be alienating and uh, keep you at arm's length. Like, I've had that experience with their writing, too. But this, yeah. this is, like, working for me, and it's finally, like, I'm kind of getting into the groove... I actually went back, like, I read an issue of this, and then I was like, I don't remember exactly where we left. So I even went back and read the last three issues before um, we reread these, and it was great. So, like, I can see this being a run that I return to and get more out of as yeah. you, like, fill in the cracks more and more. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really good. I mean, it's just that thing we've been talking about, like, are you building something new, or are you just, like, you know, I think it was Tiffany Babb who said, like, you know, uh, like an echo of an echo kind of or mm. something something like that um yeah yeah w- when you're writing these comics where it's just like well i'm still just writing stanley jack kirby fantastic four and you know i'm still just trying to like emulate the comics that i love and write which is so those, much of but... 90s x-men where it's yeah, yeah claremont yeah. you know right yeah like, exactly and this is just right, like, let's try it's that. adding so much i mean pixie yeah. and the cuckoo the stepford cuckoos and uh the we haven't angel. angel which one's angel She's the one with like kind of fairy wings. I thought that was Pixie. Am I, am no, I that Pixie no, we comes out later. Yet. Oh, okay. I guess I, I for some reason she kind of looks more like a pixie than an angel. Yeah. Um, and then um, who else was it? like we've been seeing Glob around even though they haven't been introduced, which is really Beak. funny that Glob Beak is starting been... to get some play. Yep, Beak's around. So it's like, but also at the same time, the old X Men are here, right? It kind of feels like that really nice like building up a new crew while also still like honoring and deepening the relationships and characters that we already have. Right. So like we're getting more from example of grain Cyclops. Yeah. Sorry. We just get more from Jean Grey and Cyclops and their relationship than I feel like we ever have really like even from Claremont, I feel like I'm getting, you know, more complicated, more like a real relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It it ever has. And Scott looks so weird and I love it. Like, oh, yeah, no, he looks about like a, he looks great. a supermodel, yeah. and here he looks like weird springly man. Like, I love it. <laughs> he, he's a springly man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, me? I would I'm say a springly it's man. It's the biggest shame when anyone else draws Scott except for Quietly. Like, I, I yeah. like the Quietly designs, but other artists can kind of emulate that. But no one can emulate drawing Scott Summers like he has the thinnest oval in the world for a pen, for a head. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> yeah. his head is so thin and long. It is weird and very funny. It's distinct. What do you um, it's think? Almost like it's a caricature. 
Igor Cordy comes in for a few issues here. And what do you think about their art? Because I came around and so, kind of loving it. <laughs> but, you go into loving it. I, it's it's I, so there are weird. moments where I I really don't like it. Um, yeah. But you know, and it part of the challenge I think too is just like you have the quietly framing moments, and they're so mm-hmm. good with Morrison that it, it's a tough shoe to fill. And then you have John yeah. Paul Leone come in for that single issue, and it's like, well, this is flipping great. Um, yeah, so cool Cordy's too. definitely the least of them. Uh, and Morrison, like you said, like because he is a slippery writer, because he's elusive. If you don't have an artist that is that is clarifying as well, you know, yeah, that can be yeah, a bit yeah. messy. I don't uh-huh. think it's I don't think it's actually bad though. Like I I do think it is. It is Ug- serviceable, ugly, and the plot is but like intentionally. But the but maybe. the series is kind of intentionally ugly a lot of times, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. It's, you know, Beak is supposed to be ugly. Um, you know, mutant abilities here are portrayed as like, hey, these can be gross, uh, and I think that's great. I think that's a big thing that Morrison wants to lean into. Um, but yeah, no, it's those those issues always feel like lesser um, of the bunch, and I, I think too, you know, I'm, it's interesting to hear you say like this is where you got sold on it because for me, this is the arc. And kind of the moment where it's like, this is actually the in-between phase. Yeah. Like, you have that incredible opening. And then, like, next year, I basically, I don't think I took out a single issue. Like, we're going to read, like, 16 issues of New X-Men because it's just banger after banger. Um, this is the stretch where it's kind of like, okay, where are we going? Yeah, you know, I said what's the really visual like aesthetic? these, but they very much worked less than the initial batch for me. Like, the initial batch was so promising and so energizing as, like, an X-Men fan. And this was, like kind of more of the same and not really treading new ground. And like, I, yeah, it's, it's I can agree with that. The, like, it's concluding yeah. the Cassandra Nova story. But like, the sheer stuff doesn't feel new in any way. It feels like nastier and more real, but it doesn't really feel new, I guess. Yeah. Uh, what feels new is the the school stuff, like that I really, really like. And the the kids like taking taking it up on their own to, to defend the school. Like that's that's really fun stuff. Um, right. I really like. I, what... I agree with that. I don't think this yeah. is actually like stronger than the first batch. I think yeah. this is just where I like kind of settled into the run. Because, like I said, like Morrison's writing for me has just been like elusive. That was a good word for it, Dave. It's been a little elusive, and like it just. I think it takes a while to kind of get on their wavelength, and this is where I finally like felt. Well, this is this is like I was one of their poppiest runs. You know, sure. this is yeah, yeah, one of their most accessible. Um, but I still fully agree with you that they're a writer who does not hold your hand yeah. and i think that is a huge part of their appeal for for the you know you, you can't just be you can't just read morrison once you know you, you can't just casually read your Grant i know morrison. i'm already like reading it i'm like well i'll really like this the second time too which is yeah. fun like it's fun to see that but not feel like i need to read this again to understand what's going on but no. that if i read this again i'll like be able to pull more from it you know like right well, like you'll there pull is... a lot of Alan Moore from it because he shaped the man's yeah. career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. He did exactly. Um, um, okay, so let's. Uh, do we want to? So, Charlotte, you were saying you like the kids here. I love the building of the school. The other aspect of that that I love is so Charles Xavier came out and said, "I'm a mutant," and the Xavier Institute or Cassandra Nova basically wielded him to do that. Um, but then the Xavier Institute is like known now as you know a mutant school. So there's a press conference that Jean Grey is giving to the media. Because Charlie is, you know, he's dying in Cassandra's dilapidated body. And uh, I really like Jean Grey being the lead on this, but also, yeah. like, talking about... There's a lot of just references here to, like, mutant culture and the ways they're doing things differently. I, even Emma just talking about, like, hey, we're going to do school differently because we're mutants and we don't have to have human schools. Like, I think Morrison 
gets a kick out of those ideas. And that stuff I always find very, very fun. Just being like, yeah, mutant culture is its own thing. They should not be just humans with mutant powers. Well, it, like, you know? It, and they do, like, boy, it, it's it's so incredible reading this backpack with Origin. Again, just like Origin, oh, which gosh, is introducing yeah. and building nothing new. With this, which is so confident in what it's building that it yeah. just throws out stuff and expects you to catch up. Like, the fact that the Stepford Cuckoos at some point are really mad at one of their... One of them has a boyfriend, and then they find out that he's a Shi'ar who's like a shape-shifting... He looks like a big virus. Um, and one of them calls like the him keys something... from Miracle Man. It looks like a what? The Keys? Oh, K-Y-S yeah, from Miracle yeah, Man? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, they, they call him like a big, you know, a nasty green blob or something. They like make fun of him. And uh, Emma is like, like, now, now, girls, no morphism. Right? And you just immediately understand like, oh yeah, there's a new type of discrimination, which is like the discrimination against... The ones who don't look human, right? Like people who don't look perfectly human, like Beast or Beak uh. or whatever. And they never explain like what morphism is. And they don't have a very serious talk about it. They just say that and it's just like, oh yeah, this is part of their, you know, it's already been talked about. Like we already feel like there's a culture behind this and the fact of just introducing that is, uh, is so cool. Um, there's also I, a continuation and, of something we talked about yeah. just along the same lines in the first, yeah, yeah. the first time we talked about New X-Men, which is, you know, Grant Morrison's version of Get Out, which I think is complicated (laughs) but it's it's actually it's very it's not a whole after school special you know but it's gene being like hey like you know people wanting to be a part of the persecuted minority is hot right now and morrison just sort of tapping into those cultural sentiments and things and applying it to mutant dumb it's like it's not no that that's when they sounded the most like old man yelling at clouds and a little bit yeah wants to be a persecuted minority these days like that was definitely the most the like ugh teens <laughs> to me. Because uh, Morrison can sound like an old grump sometimes, and yeah, uh, it's hard to know if it's that or if it's or if it's you know you're writing specifically from the perspective of Gene too. So it's like Gene could be a little out of touch on things. Um, but yes, I agree. But it is also simultaneously like it's kind of an interesting point that brought up with the U Men. Yeah, of that stuff. yeah, sure. Yeah. I uh, really like what did you how, both think? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I really like how Gene is kind of like. Not only is she taking the role of leader of like it's interesting to see her having Xavier in her head as at, at some point. Yeah, it's cool because like she's taking on that role while he's out, and like she's what like holds the team together. She's the one talking to to Hank when he's having a breakdown. I really love I really love Jean and Hank's relationship and friendship here, and yes. he, her being like the shoulder he can rely on when he's like breaking down about his ongoing transformations. Um, and and I also really like what's going on with Hank and how how he's feeling about that. What's going on with Hank and telling everyone he's gay? What's what's happening there? It's it's not really. I looked it up. Just no, I know he's not. It. But like, huh? It's, someone I think takes it's more I, of I, like a a trick. Like because Trish Tilby breaks up with him for being because yeah. the papers are calling them you know like comparing them to bestiality now because Hank has continued to transform. I feel like for him it's this like whimsical. I don't need you anymore commentary yeah. as yeah. opposed to an actual coming out moment but i think it is it's a mistake because you could just have beast come out yeah and have that be a real thing you engage with and the comic does not do that i i know later in this run emma frost like takes him to task for it and it's just like you're not gay and he's like yeah i'm not i just said that so like it gets oh, resolved yeah. in but i i saw that and was like wait is beast gay and i missed this and i looked it up yeah so. um i i just want to talk about the end of this real quick which is uh, Cassandra Nova is like breaking in and is you know like looking for her body back to take her body back uh, and 
which is another really cool thread of her being the master planner where she manipulates beast into thinking he's less than knowing that will cause him to develop the vaccine to her body you know to heal it so she can come and take her own original body back like i love that stuff that's great that's great evil supervillain stuff it's yeah it's really neat and the i really love the end of this which is that like gene gray faints faints with an e and like allows Cassandra Nova to get into she faints with an A earlier that's (laughs) because of the flu (laughs) but this time it's a fake out where they she lets Cassandra Nova get into the Cerebra but before this she had spread because Cassandra Nova wants to like go into the minds of every mutant on earth using Cerebra and like make them all kill themselves or kill each other Uh, but she uploads like splits Charles Xavier's mind and uploads it a little bit into every mutant on earth um, so that when Cassandra Nova taps into it. She gets like flooded with uh, Xavier, who can can then fight her off in her mind. It's really cool, and it reminded me of like some of the only really fun pre Claremont comics. Remember that one where like Charles is fighting off some alien force and like taps into the mind of every human on Earth mm-hmm. yeah. and like mm-hmm. uses their psychic energy, which is like one of my favorite early x-men things i thought that was super fun Danny o'neill neil adams era yeah exactly so this reminded me of that enough that i thought it might have even been like a little wink and homage to it um so i really dug that morrison loves some neil adams so i would not uh i would not rule that out uh yeah Yeah. it's good and then the next issue which is a one-off issue 127 you got pencils by john paul leone inks by bill sinkevich i love this issue um this is zorn just going about mutant town first off we're developing mutant town that's cool uh, and then it's basically Zorn, you know, uncovering, like, this poor kid who's transformed into this, like, b- kind of like the most monstrous version. Kind of looks like Dragon a, Man. A a he looks like a dragon. Yeah, like Dragon Man. But he's, like, you know, wreaking havoc, devastation and problems. And it's just, like, it's one of those moments where you're like, oh, yeah, this is what X-Men can be in the right hands. Um, you can, you know, you take a break from this giant saga and do these one-offs where you're just exploring, like, what it's like to be a mutant and... You know, getting to know this new character, Zorn, who's increasingly interesting. Throughout the Shi'ar arc, Scott goes and brings him and basically enlists him in the X-Men to go help in Shi'ar space and that sort of thing. So so Zorn's going to be a player here. We're going to see more of them. Um, but I had to include this one because just as a one-off, I was like, yeah, it's a great single X-Men issue. Um, and, and John Paul Leone, who passed not that long ago, RIP, um, is incredible, singular talent. Inked by Bill Sienkiewicz, too. Like, come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about Zorn. Like, what's going on because i know some stuff that comes later but i don't know if it's morrison stuff or like later writers doing stuff with zone um, i'm yeah. curious because we i don't know if it's like it's intentional that there's some secret about him like we'd never see his face i think he doesn't really have a face he's just like a, a star inside there uh, but like yeah. because of the mask thing it feels like there's something secret there uh, and I don't know how much that's intentional or if it's just, like, Morrison building up the character. Uh, but, like, he's, he's really interesting. And how I love how him and Scott are immediately, like, best friends. Um, yeah. Like, they spend most mm, yeah, of those issues fun. together. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of love that. It's really fun. Um, yeah, Zone is a great new addition, too. Because, like, he's the only actual new addition to the team. Like, you get a lot of new characters, but most of them are students. Uh, but, like, the only actual new character on the X-Men team is Zone, and I think he's really, really good uh, Morrison addition. Yeah, he's, he's a very I do fun think character. the core team here, I mean, Zach, you alluded to this, but the core team is, like, so effectively yeah. utilized. You know, everyone gets a moment in a really clear role. You know, Gene gets to be holding down the fort and taking over and leading communications. Hank is the scientist, and he's whimsical. 
Emma is developed here as you know caring about the students and really being protective but also so catty she'll be oh my god so catty I mean, and, you can tell morrison's having like, so much lash out fun at the media the, yeah. you know and then gene's yeah. like now i have to wipe everyone's memory like just that little dynamic <laughs> that moment is pretty funny yeah. scott's right. superheroing up in space with the shiar and bringing zorn into that and then wolverine's killing people in the bushes <laughs> like everyone <laughs> is doing exactly what they should be doing you know it is it is masterful as simultaneously you're developing all these new kid mutants Come mm-hmm. on, like the degree of difficulty. I'm pulling that off. Yeah. That's hard, and it's, yeah. it's working pretty pretty it's seamlessly here. Yeah. yeah, it's a good comic. It turns out, uh, and if we're not reading anymore for a while, I do. I've said this. I've said it before, but this time I I think I mean it. <laughs> I will be reading, you know, the the comics between now because I have the omnibus. So I don't want to. I want to sit and actually get my uh, so, money out of it. So Zach, the only issues we're skipping of this run are the next six. Yeah, one twenty-eight to one thirty-four or one thirty-three. Yeah, so I'm gonna, I, um, I which are I think this. the Phantom X arc, Ooh. which is definitely uh, it's a new character. Mix. It's fun. It's stuff that comes up later. Um, so it was a tough, a tough omission on my part. Well, we're reading like fifteen issues of it next year, right? So like, when yeah, would we like I said, like something in? had yeah. to go. Yeah, something yeah, yeah. had to because I'm not taking anything. Like when you look at and when you read these, like you'll understand. But like when you look at issue one thirty-four to one fifty. It's like I literally could not take anything out of this. What could I possibly take out of this? It's it's yeah. all that. Oh good, oh so. oh! I just want to mention uh, the, what a joke that really made me laugh is that he's they they spend three pages quietly in Morrison here having Smasher land on Earth and it's three pages of Smasher landing on the <laughs> Earth yeah. just for the joke of Smasher being like they're coming, you know, like it's like the Hulk showing up uh, in Infinity War to be like Thanos yeah, yeah. is coming, except the Smasher's kind of dumb and gives the news to a bunch of cows <laughs> he doesn't know what like humans look like um it's a I really funny joke re- to end with it, that it is funny yeah. i do distinctly remember thinking because morrison did scroll kill crew yeah i was I like the same thing. are <laughs> these gonna be scroll cows but no that is not a, <laughs> not a part of this i mean he comes in to play later but like initially he just kind of diverts it as a joke because it's funnier and it's a better like the alternative is just having him burst into the room you know, which he does later in a quick and efficient way, but like instead of just kind of hitting the plot beat that you expect, like it's always throwing curveballs at you. So it's it's very good. It's a good gag, and it also actually umps the ten- or ups the tension. Yeah, because <laughs> sure. it is like, well, they don't know now. <laughs> you yeah. know, he didn't yeah, tell anyone. Exactly. He's the one um, who was gonna come and tell them. But yeah, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, any final thoughts on uh, Origin or New X Men? No, Origin good. No, no, origin bad. Origin good. <laughs> oh, Charlotte's on the record. Is origin good? No take no, back. Speaking origin of twists, good. Everyone, get her. Oh, <laughs> I, you know, I would like to hear from the origin stands. Like, like have who one, are the readers? We've had who are one like, in the Slack because I mentioned it. I was like, do people yeah. like this comic? And someone was like, I, I don't know what they said. I think they just said like, I liked it. <laughs> Uh, well, that I mean, I want to I want to hear a rousing defense. Okay, sure. if you're yeah. gonna stand yeah. up for origin, you gotta you gotta stand up strong and proud. I don't just want to hear a casual. That's fine. Um, that's that's nothing. That's nothing. Because it is fine, right? Like it's competent. It's a comic. It reads fine. It's just like <laughs> this is sure a comic. Yep. Yeah, I mean that's that's the way to put it. Like, yeah, it is. I don't this, know if this is a comic, the world, like, but is the word. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's not the worst thing. I mean, it is. Competent creators like Jenkins, Kubert, and you know Isanova. It's like they're they are so with it that they are not going to put together something that doesn't look like a comic. Yeah, (laughs) you know that is not recognizable. That doesn't make it 
good. Like, I, I do feel like critically, there's a lot of moments of like, well, all these creators are competent, so I guess it's fine. And maybe the story didn't work for me, but it's like, no, like this is this is poorly told. Yeah. <laughs> the plotting Don't, is bad. Yeah. Nothing interesting happens. And most importantly, there's nothing cool. Most secret sauce. You know what's cool? New X-Men. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what cool. else is cool? A bunch of the Spider-Man comics we're reading next time. Here Ooh, on my Marvelous Year. Spider-Man Blue. <clears throat> starting the Amazing Spider-Man. Or no, not starting. I guess continuing the Amazing Spider-Man arc. Um, we've got some Patreon-backed uh, inclusions in our, our Amazing Spider-Man reading. We are going to read some good Paul Jenkins, Peter Parker Spider-Man. And then we got Spider-Man Tangled Web. we got four Spidey series coming up next week. And all of them, I think, are pretty interesting. Um, including a, a Darwin Cook Spider-Man issue. Spider-Man's Tangled Web, number 11. It's going to be a good episode. I'm you can find all the it. issues that we're reading yeah. here in the show notes. You can also get the access to the full spreadsheet by going to patreon.com slash mymarvelthisyear. I'm Dave. You can find all my stuff at Comic Book Herald. That's Zach. That's Charlotte. We'll see you next nope. year. See you next year. Disaster piece. Disaster piece. Eh. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I hope. He listens to every episode uh, after. Oh, hey, did you know he did the soundtrack to Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? Did I tell you that? No, what is that? Yeah, no, he did. I'm not asking. What's Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? Oh, it's a horror movie from last year. Oh, sounds too scary. Yeah, anyway. All right, see you next year. Bye. See you next year. (laughs) 